Hey, hey, you know, like Marcus Aurelius says. You know, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor. He said, or at least he wrote, let no act be done without a purpose. What? How's your day? Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Welcome, everyone. Everyone. Whether you are returning for another episode of our juicy critical thinking show or whether you're new. Yeah, or whatever. Whatever. Or or somewhere in between. Yeah, maybe you didn't come for the juice. Maybe you came for the dryness. (laughs) You came for the static. Maybe you came for the, the rough edges. Yeah, but whatever you showed up for, we're gonna bring it. Yeah, we're gonna bring it. We got the fire. Uh-huh. Of some type or the other. Today, we're going to talk about a new topic. And I always love when we can bring a new topic to the table. Um, and we're going to get you guys so revved up, if you're not revved up, for our big fundraiser coming up. That's right. Um, that's right. So, but first, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do a quick teaser on the topic. And then we're going to talk about, let's talk about, let's get them really excited about the fundraiser. Woo! Yeah! Oh. <laughs> Brian is you're pretty excited about it. So. Well, I mean you're doing the teaser and I'm doing the getting them excited, right? I mean, <laughs> okay, right. so the teaser is we have never talked about this concept called critical feelings. We've talked there might about be good reasons for that. We'll find out. There, there are probably very good reasons because this show is about critical thinking, not critical feelings. However, don't think with your feelings. However, right, exactly. However, we know they're connected and we know we have all had a year full of feelings. We have had all had a year full of feelings and um, they don't just go away. And um, they don't just go away. No, they don't. So, so I found this article on critical feelings, just recently posted article. And so I, I, it's just so juicy. I'm so excited. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But in the meantime, feelings, feelings. Oh my lord, I love talking about feelings on the radio. <laughs> we are, however, there's somebody else out there, one of our fearless leaders, Ruth Newman. She would like to up the feelings about the pledge drive and the fundraiser. So we want to make a couple of comments here. And what are the feelings that we're trying to tap into in and in this topic, Brian? Oh, generosity. Um, supporting, caring feelings, maybe a feeling of responsibility toward the radio station. Right. Love of social justice and in radio stations that are not run by corporate, you know, overlords. Yeah, those could be important things to feel about. Um, Our pledge drive opens up officially this Saturday, March 27th through April 9th. Yes. Premiums can be viewed on our forward radio page under photos. Oh, I got to tell you, I've seen some of these premiums and I'm like, I want that. How do I get that? Okay. Okay. We are told here to get the biggest bang for your buck. Go to our forward radio Facebook page, choose a post to share and share to your own page in order to get people to look at these premiums. So you can do that too. Like anybody like Patty excited about it. Can you just go to the Forward Radio Facebook page and share that stuff? Exactly. Ruth continues. 
now that the deadline for airing the talent show as a contestant has passed. Although, Ruth says, we will continue accepting contestants for a small time longer. Okay, y'all there in Radio Land. It is time for us to get these tickets sold. What that means is, is that we are asking for 10 bones for you to look at us in the talent show. Patty's doing a thing. I'm doing a thing. Other people are doing things. We're, it's going to be visual, a visual experience. A visual and audio cornucopia. Yeah, not as much smell. Not a smell experience. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Ruth but wants us to remind folks that you can have a seat at the Zoom talent show for Forward Radio on April 10th at 7 p.m., where yeah. creative and varied performances of four minutes or less, all the way from jujitsu, wonder who's whoa, doing that, to original music, to sit down comedy, will dazzle and delight. Are you gonna dazzle or delight or both? Uh, we are hoping to dazzle. Yeah. Dazzle with I your jujitsu. Probably just dazzle. Okay. The winner determined by audience vote will receive a 100 bones cash prize. Ooh. American greenback. Ooh. Tickets are 10 greenbacks and can be purchased by going to forwardradio.org and clicking. You'll see it. Just read the page when you get there. We don't need to tell you where it is. It's, it's right on the page. Forwardradio.org is your magic is the upper right corner, to go. You'll find it. Yeah. So April 10th, everybody listening out there, April 10th, 7 p.m. I hope you have it circled on your calendar. Oh, and guess what? Oh, this is so perfect, Brian. I heard about a, a for, you know, Lacus, you know, um, La, I think it's La Casita, that um, that uh, nonprofit organization. Yeah, yeah. They're having a fundraiser with sort of like, I think it's like Tacos to Go this mm -hmm. earlier the same evening. So you could go support them, get your tacos, come home or wherever, and then nice. enjoy your delicious Mexican food while you're watching the Zoom talent show. I will post that on my page. I might find a way to incorporate tacos into my jujitsu thing. I wonder if we could have like somebody stealing someone's tacos or someone tries to snatch the taco from your mouth or maybe Can you like flip them. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe, um, maybe yeah. you're, you're skilled enough to go out on your own when you can take the taco from my hand, you know, that business, something. I love that. Could you also do a thing where you slice the taco in half with one stroke? Oh, I think so. And you'd want to do it like maybe you'd want to have several tacos set up and like maybe you just knock off the lettuce. <gasps> right. I love that. Like, like maybe with maybe with one stroke, I could knock the lettuce off one, the tomatoes off one, the cheese off another and break the shell on the last one. I, I'm loving where you're going with this. Yeah, it's it's all fiction, but I'm I'm it, we're, you never know what might show up on forward. Yeah, it sounds a little messy and delicious at the same time. That's right. That's right. We'll definitely have salsa if we if we incorporate the tacos into the jujitsu. We will need salsa and probably a mop. It sounds like that'll be. Yeah. yeah. Well, talk to my jujitsu partner. I'm pretty sure he'd go for tacos as part of this. I'm glad you have a couple of weeks to work out all the details. Well, yeah, I feel like if I had to incorporate tacos tonight, it wouldn't work out as well. But, you know. Okay, you're gearing people up, Brian. You got to deliver. 
yeah, yeah, I'll do everything I can. And how about you? What are you delivering, young lady? I am going to be doing a dramatic reading of a Dorothy Parker writing. It, she has like these really comic monologues, dark comic monologues, okay. um, sort of that I am going to pick one. And I'm thinking about channeling my inner snarky, funny Dorothy Parker. Maybe I'll even dress a little sort of 1955 kind of thing. Okay. Okay. And so, and so you're going to, you're going for humor in your dramatic reading. Is that what I'm understanding? It's like a dark humor. Dark humor. Okay. You think I can pull it off? I think you can. I feel like I'm doing all this physical stuff and all the nerds are definitely going to, going to win the day. But. I don't know. Don't, you know, and you know how, just as a reminder to you and everyone out there, how the winner in the cash prize is decided. Don't you know that, don't you? Do you know? Um, it's, oh, it's, it's decided by, um, is it, is it thumb war or is it, um, or is it arm wrestling? None of the above. Oh. It's audience votes. So if you get all your jujitsu oh. friends from around the world to tune in and oh, buy tickets, yeah, you might they might be a little bit biased to what if those people if it was 10 bucks and a beer like yeah yeah i would get so many people if it was 10 bucks and a beer but yeah yeah well 100 bucks would buy you a lot of tacos to practice with you know later on to work that into your school your dojo absolutely absolutely well so today uh, we have just some ideas that are bananas, critical feeling. I don't even know what to say, except to say that feelings don't think. Yes, I would, Michael Roth, the author of this article, I think would dispute you on that point. Well, I just think that it's fascinating because I don't, I mean, I guess this is the bulk of our show here. I don't, I don't understand how someone could make that claim. Okay, well, the, okay, so let's see, let, well, you know what, you don't understand, let's practice some intellectual empathy and live inside Michael Roth's thinking. I'm going to try. I've, I've, I've looked at his work and so far I'm, I'm just simply not, um, I'm not there yet and I'm looking forward to you helping me see whatever the beauty and majesty of, of his work vertical was. Yeah. Okay, well, this article is short, but it's so it's packed with cool stuff that I want to walk through it together and like unpack it and and like pull out these ideas and and I think the listeners would really I you know enjoy kind of hearing us you know dissect it a little bit. Well, I will say that if you are a listener and do like that, or also if you're a listener and do not like that, we would love to hear from you yes. at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. Further, if you would like to hear more from us and you're like, oh, damn, it's Tuesday. How do I get my critical thinking for everyone on Tuesday? Like there's no part of the world where it's the right time for it to come up right now. I feel like there's something missing in my life. Friends, we can help you. If you would go to SoundCloud, which is a free service that archives, among other things, these old shows. You can sign up for free at SoundCloud and you can um, find the Critical Thinking for Everyone playlist. So, yes, yeah, soundcloud.com for those of you wondering, how do I go to SoundCloud? 
Oh, sure. Yeah, Google it, but it'll take you to soundcloud.com. Very good, very good. And you'll do that. And then you might also be listening to this on forwardradio.org, um, maybe anywhere in the world. Hello to our, our listeners from around the world. We know you're out there. Including Latvia. Shout out to our Latvian listeners. Yep, yep. Patty is very interested in figuring out how to, uh, how to sort of uh, make this connection more precise, and so we'll be we'll be deploying our critical thinking skills before long to try to to try to put some critical thinking bait out there for our Latvian contingent. Um, but look for that. In fact, we've already just baited. <clears throat> so, sophisticated as we want to bring it on. <clears throat> That's right. And then the um, the other thing that you, of course, want to know is that you may be listening right now to the new show on uh, 106.5 FM Forward Radio, Louisville, Kentucky, Social Justice Radio out of the Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville. And uh, you might be listening to us on um, Thursdays at 5 p.m., Thursdays at midnight, critical thinking witching hour yeah or maybe fridays 11 a.m that's all eastern standard time so no matter how these airwaves are reaching into your brain we say welcome and thank you for listening welcome and thank you for listening yep all right so with that we're going to dive into michael roth's article called a focus on critical feeling and which when I say the words critical feeling, it's so funny because we're so used to saying critical thinking. It's like critical feeling. What? Oh, and no, I heard exactly what you said. And I still say yeah. what? <laughs> and this is from uh, Inside Higher Ed. Uh, and it just came out um, earlier this month, March uh, 2021. So let's take his ideas one at a time. So where he starts is he said, you know, when we see the like growth in recent years of conspiracy theories and claims of hoaxes and stolen elections. So educators and not just educators have been asking why so many people are so manipulated by this disinformation, right? And, and, and some of them, right, as he says, downright deceived. Um, and he said, so he's asking, he's trying to figure out why, why is this like growing like this? Why is it so proliferated um, recently. It says, is it the human need to belong to like-minded groups? The power of social media to accelerate the filtering of information to suit preconceived ideas, which by the way, we did a whole show on, not the whole show, but we did part of a show on algorithms. Sure. Right? Yeah. We should have by now recognized the bottomless ability of those in power to lie with impunity. Wow, I wish we have recognized the bottomless ability of those in power to lie with impunity. I feel like we're we're still grappling with that. Right. Um, but the signs are not encouraging. So many Americans continue to rush off to seek the comfort of like-minded groups, heedless of whether those groups misinform or mislead. Yeah, I mean, we've certainly seen a lot of that, haven't we? We have, yes. And let me let me just say one, factor that I think, and you tell me one factor that you think, I mean, this is, this is a little bit, we're going a little bit tangential as we're known to do on these articles, but I would say one of them for me is Trump, you know, putting Trump in the white house, sort of who sort of had this bully pulpit where he's, 
sort of sanctioning and putting in sort of the mainstream the disinformation and hoaxes and you know manipulation and sophistry to me that really felt like things really or maybe they were always there but they were under the surface you know and 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 or rumbling and now it's sort of full-blown i don't know so i think i think the trump era has something to do with it yeah maybe so um i think that um i think that there are some you know we talked about truthiness before right and also credulity and i think in the culture there is sort of a propensity to kind of credulously follow the leader um, to maybe believe things because we get fired up by them and of course uh trump um you know was uh and maybe still is a, a master of that um but not only him right there were also the media outlets that fed him right you know he didn't come up with a lot of these ideas on his own he was you know, repeating right. ideas that fit his agenda that other people had been talking about, which is, you know, a terrific, sophistic move. I mean, if you want to be an effective thinker, then you pick up on the thinking that's out there and you amplify those aspects of the thinking that support your agenda. I mean, that shows that. And I mean, so many people do that already. Right. I mean, there are I mean, there are just whole industries around that. So. Um, I think he had a lot of opportunity to, you know, to practice his craft and to sort of get examples from the culture. And I think, I think others are going to do the same yes. even more than they're doing it now. The playbook, he is now like, the playbook has totally changed now. And um, what's toler tolerated, what's allowed, right? Everything's different now. So, so Michael Roth is sort of asking this like, He's trying to pinpoint what are the things that have allowed so many people to be misled. Right. And um, so, so then he goes on to say, educators often insist that in order to strengthen our ability to resist being misled, we should become better at critical thinking, period. I don't think you and I would disagree with that at all. That's partly why that's a big part of our both of our lives, right? Yeah, I think that that's right. I'm just thinking about it. Right. Insists that in order to strengthen our ability to resist being misled, we should become better at critical thinking. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of things you could become better at. I mean, I yes, think not just that. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what I was thinking about. But sure, of course. Yeah. Right. So then he says for more than 50 years, educational theorists have stressed that colleges should help students determine what kinds of information are most reliable, what makes a good argument, what kinds of fallacies are associated with particular contexts of persuasion and enforcement. Yeah. Right. So, right. So, so what he's trying to do is he's trying to give his definition of critical thinking. So let me, let me just say that again. Yeah. In his mind, what he's positing to me is his kind of working definition of critical thinking. He's saying colleges should help students determine a, what kinds of information are most reliable, B, what makes a good argument, C, what kinds of fallacies are associated with particular contexts of persuasion enforce, enforcement. Yeah, so, I think that these, these three pieces are certainly often used in combination to form a critical thinking system. So yeah, sure. sounds, this seems pretty, for, for, from your point of view, pretty legit and definitely- well, but I mean, I don't, I don't like it because I don't like all through this, there's, there's clearly, an emphasis on vocabulary associated with argument theory. And I don't like that for critical thinking I, and neither do you. I mean, I don't, I, I, right. mean, I mean, right. I mean, you, you agree that that's not. Right. 
Right, for those of you listening, so argument theory is a very, um, sort of a, uh, when the philosophy is very hidebound, I would say, in its concept of critical thinking as folks centered around argue, this idea of argument theory. Yeah, often, yeah. Right, often, okay. And so he's kind of, he, you're right, he's sort of making his argument by saying when he says educators have sort of defined critical thinking in this way, right? That's a slice that sure. he's emphasizing, right? You and I know it's bigger, but that's his slice. Yeah, um, so I, that's a thing that I don't like about it. But I mean, other than those sort of technical nitpicky things, I mean, I think this is, yeah. Okay, yeah. you think he's, I get his point. Then he says the foundation for critical thinking points to- quote, Oh, forget it. No, now, I, now I'm out. <laughs> those people. Hey, this is the first time we've ever had an article that we didn't, that mentions the foundation for critical thinking. Right, where we didn't have to bring it in. Right, we're usually yeah. bringing that in. That's right, refreshing. Right. Go Michael Roth. Yeah, I think that's great. So the foundation for critical thinking points to, quote, universal intellectual values that transcend subject matter, subject matter divisions, right? So the, you and I, again, these are the universal standards of the criteria for good thinking, right? Critical yeah. thinking, criteria for good thinking. Clarity, accuracy, precision, consistency. Wait, consistency? Yeah, he found, he, he found three list from the sixth or seventh edition of the miniature guide and use that. This yeah, is that, not act, this is not even up to date. Right, but that's the thing he doesn't, I mean, he clearly just Googled something and he came up with this list. That list changed, um, I believe, in the seventh. It was either the sixth or seventh edition where they stopped doing it. Wow, that. that's really interesting. And you notice it's interesting. He doesn't cite. He cites no, them, but he doesn't make it linkable. So you can't do lateral. Remember we learned? Right. Do because, your lateral. Because all he did was Google critical thinking and this showed up and, he has, and, he's, and it said foundation for critical thinking. And it's in an old version of the mini guide that someone just put up on the internet because the old versions are all over the place out there. And it has one of these old lists. Or he went to criticalthinking.org and he just started flipping through things and he found a list, right? And again, the articles aren't, like they're not taken off of criticalthinking.org when they become 40 years old. Like there's all the stuff's on there. Okay, so, so Michael Roth did not, he didn't do his homework. Anybody using that list and, and saying this, the foundation's work is definitely, definitely shows the people at the foundation where they got the work. <laughs> Speaking of being misled, um, anyway, but you know, you and I know that- the, That's the okay spirit, though, these are still good principles. Right, they are yeah. exactly the spirit of what he's doing, which is trying to enlighten the readers as to what is critical thinking. So you and I appreciate that. And I'll tell you another reason why he liked this list. If he did make any effort at all to curate the various right. versions of the intellectual standards, he likes this list because there are two explicit terms that you would use in argument theory in the list. Good, good reasons and sound evidence. Absolutely. And they have specific meanings, of course, but I mean, uh -oh. but oh, I, mean I see what he did. Yeah. 
Yeah. I see what he so did. You make there. a little link there. And I think that Richard probably took those out precisely to burn that bridge, right? Because Richard Paul did not want those connections to be made explicitly between the theory. Oh, Michael, he's <laughs> you devil. You That's devil. Okay. That's okay. It's good to have the theory used. It's cool. Well, it's listeners, cool to be able to talk about this. Listeners, full disclosure, Brian is a, <laughs> a scholar at the Foundation for Critical Thinking as well. You, can, you all can hear he's quite the Renaissance man. He's a jujitsu um, master. I'm, that's not the, your exact title, but you know, you are. Double and, master. Yeah, my, uh, whatever it is, you're like a higher, you're, yeah. you're up there. Yeah, I'm in there somewhere. You're up there. And then you're also a scholar at the Foundation for Critical Thinking. I am, I am. And, and uh, so that's part of, that's part of folks where this is coming from. Right. So I'm, so I'm really nerdy about this particular thing. Like sometimes the sources that get cited when we're looking through these articles, one of one of the other of us will nerd out on them pretty hard. And this guy just stepped directly into my living room. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Patty's too, for sure. But yeah, but like, I mean, I've done some study of all the different lists. I mean, I'm like, well, I'm pretty, like, I think I could go to that right now to Google search and figure out what he got. Um, oh, he had no idea who he's Well, that's okay. With. But again, I think it's cool that he tried. And I think it's cool that yeah. for the purposes of critical thinking, like the first, you know, the first thing he trots out is the foundation because for more than 50 years. I mean, there's no joke about that. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, even if one has doubts about the universality of how these values take shape in particular situations, teachers can enhance students' appreciation of these values and in turn their resistance to being misled. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that, right? Like whatever we, quibbles we might have with Michael Roth, I think you and I would agree using these principles, clarity, accuracy, precision, you know, uh, depth, breadth, et cetera, can help when we use those with students. We, they want them to become part of their operating system, right? We want them to download these. These are filters we want them to adapt <clears throat> thinking. Yeah. So then he says, then they're less likely to be misled because they have a built-in, like, it's like a critical, it's like a shield. It's like a a, a critical thinking shield to like help protect them from, you know, hoaxes. <laughs> I think it doesn't always work so successfully, right? I mean, we might still get hoaxed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's not automatic. It's just it's a pro. It's a it's a commitment every day. Well, but um, I, yeah, but I think that you're right though. These are great tools because even if you don't remember them all, clarity, accuracy, precision, etc even if you don't remember them all, if you remember any of them, you know, it, it, you check something. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be checking, but I need to check something. And since I don't even know what it is I'm supposed to be checking, maybe I should just ask a couple of questions here. What questions should I ask? I don't know. What, what don't I know the answer to? And you start asking questions. And I mean, it's better than nothing. You know, it's not great, but I mean, if you're just trying to think about, well, what, what should I be doing here? I should be using some kinds of standards. Well, what are they? I don't know. How do I get at him? I don't know that either. I guess the only thing left to do is ask questions. Or Google what is critical thinking. <laughs> oh, I was, I was thinking I didn't have my Google on me. But yeah, of course, you Google the hell out of everything. Right, but I love, I love it, what you just said, Brian, in terms of like 
when we're faced with information, when we're faced with a situation and we know, whoa, wait a minute, I, sh I, I need to be thinking about this. What questions should I be asking? Like, like we all, we all want to have that go-to in, in any situation yep. um, when we're confronted with having to make a decision. Just think it through. I mean, it's not easy all the time, but that's, there needs to be a process, as you say. Right. So, so Michael Roth then switched to the topic of his article. He says, yet, as I think about my own students, I find myself at least as concerned with critical feeling as critical thinking, right? So he's just as concerned as critical feeling as with critical thinking, which is a very provocative statement, I think. And it's he says, <laughs> it's very provocative. Okay, so I'm going to read this, this kind of concept of what critical feeling is. And I have to admit, I had to read it two or three times to really kind of try to grok this. Yeah, so it's something. Yep. I'm going to read it and I'm going to ask you to give not what you think of it, your paraphrase. All right, let's okay. try to paraphrase accurately <clears throat> what we think. All right. All right. So the Nor Norwegian psychologist Rolf Reiber has argued that here it is, here it is, quote, Critical feelers can interrupt inappropriate feelings, use feelings to extract information about the state of another person or of the environment, and are able to change the external environment and internal states in order to be able to spontaneously perform appropriate actions by following the lead of feelings. Wow. So what he's saying is that you can learn to either control feelings or to somehow monitor and cultivate feelings, emotional expressions for various internal and external effects, including gaining, using these feelings to gain information about thinking and to manipulate the environment around you i would uh, totally agree with that i would say manipulate but understand the environment like inquire what's going on right yeah, but he said but he said that you would be able to create a create a change in the ex change the external environment so that what that means to me is i'm going to create some situation in the external environment that others will interpret emotionally such that I can then emotionally interpret their stuff. That's, to the extent that I'm intending to do this, it is sophistry, pure and simple. All he's doing is using a different tool. But if we're talking about manipulating the environment for effects, or manipulating myself for effects, sophistry. This okay. isn't, I mean, I, you can call it something different and it might be new. I'm interested to learn more about it, but that's really the way it strikes me okay, right now. Okay, so sophistry sort of like um, manipulating, um, using feelings, tapping into how other people are feeling, reading the room, Right, you know, reading the room and That's sort of saying, where, where do I want to spin this emotion, right? How do I, how do I make this room emotionally right. resonant with what I'm interested in? Right, right. right. Okay. I mean, that if, if that is indeed, I mean, we, I, we're, we're just getting into it, but if that is indeed what we're talking about, it's fine. It's a fine exploration from the point of view of what's possible. 
Okay. Like, fascinating, but I, yeah. So then he, Roth says though, it's, it's the following the lead of feelings that this part of it that interests him, the following the lead of feelings that interests me most, given that we have been so misled due to the manipulation of emotions over the last several years. The previous presidential administration corrupted the news media with alternative facts to be sure, but it also damaged the very soul of the public sphere by manipulating emotions, stoking racism, xenophobia, mistrust, and perhaps, perhaps most of all, resentment. So what, what, what he's saying is the part that interests him is the following the lead of feelings, meaning that people will sort of disconnect their critical thinking if they have any, and they'll just go, yeah, yeah, you're right. We gotta build a wall because we gotta keep out people who are dangerous, like yeah, yeah. the lead of feelings, right? That's what he's saying. And um, what's interesting to me, Brian, is we did a show about misleading headlines. And if you remember one of the tips about not getting sucked down the rabbit hole and being led by your feelings for clickbait is that when you see a headline that says red wine and chocolate will help you lead live a longer life or Harvard astronomer sees UFO, you know, identifies UFO, you What's going to happen emotionally? What's going to happen? Do you remember what did it say? What's going to happen emotionally when you see a headline like that? I'm going to become interested and excited. Exactly. It's going to like ring a chime, ring yep. your chime, and you're going to go, whoa. And why are you going to go, whoa? Because of cognitive dissonance. Whoa. I didn't think UFOs were real. But this headline is telling me that a Harvard astronomer is, thinks he saw a UFO. So that, that like, whoa, that like click in your brain, that like light up thing, it's, you know, it's like, this isn't a sideshow folks, right? Like the bearded lady thing. It's, it's sort of like trying to draw you in that way. And so when you feel the ding ding in your head and you see that you do, what's the first thing you do? It's not click. No, first thing you do is go, wow, that's weird. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound logical. Okay, let me at, let me get more information and ask some questions. Then you click and you you enter it with that in kind of interrogative, critical thinking. Like if you just click and go along, like we let's see what this Harvard astronomer <laughs> figured out. I can't wait to be surprised. That's where you get into trouble. Yeah, yeah, of course. And what we end up doing is when we ignore that first opportunity to say, whoa, wait a minute, it makes it easier to ignore the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And so eventually there just isn't anything. I mean, you're all in, right? And it doesn't matter. That's when you're like, well, I don't care what the person said. I'm with that person. It's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. We can't. So, right. you know, if the person says something irresponsible, we're not with that person. Right. We have to have so, that. So I just need to point out that the following the lead of feelings around xenophobia is also relevant 
when we follow the lead of feelings that aren't about xenophobia, but about other things that just sound good than truthy, right? Then the truthy, right? That are just right. like, well, I don't know if that's accurate, but you know, that really jives with how I want to think about my mother-in-law. So I'm just going to go with it, right? Yeah. That just yeah. makes me, reinforces my worldview. So following the lead of your feelings about news is really important, like, or like checking yourself, right? So yeah. he said, but it's interesting. Here's what he says. More thinking alone isn't an antidote to this manipulation of feelings. Okay, so it's that's not true. just thinking that's gonna that's gonna subvert this kind of like we as theorists as different as Judith Butler and Brian Garston have pointed out, Trump used resentment to fuel the revenge of the shame, arousing a sense of empowerment to those who felt deplored, condescend, or dismissed. So this resentment, needing to find scapegoats, like um, canceling. It labeling people the enemy, you know, like it's um, it's thinking alone. What he's trying to say is not gonna deal with all of those complex layers. No, I mean you can gaslight yourself. Give an example of what you mean. Well, so I'm <clears throat> I'm sitting around and I'm I'm just starting to think about what others are saying right and i don't know about any of the others in particular i just know that there's a national conversation about it well maybe there is something wrong with them i don't know i mean i guess i don't really know any details i'm not providing any details because of my thinking i don't have any i didn't just watch a newscast i didn't just read something i didn't listen to it on the radio i just start, it just came into my head for whatever reason what's going on with these people and then of course, I can start imagining reasons to be sympathetic or to not be sympathetic, and I can spin myself that way just because I'm thinking about what nameless, faceless others might be saying. And I'm thinking, well, if that's the general attitude, might not there be something to it? And I just did it to myself. Right. Because you're 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 kind of like going along with the flow going yeah, along. What I'm hearing this I'm seeing it I'm seeing it on Facebook I'm hearing sure. it on the news so sure. you know I guess that's my reality now everybody's talking about it would yeah. everybody be talking about it if there wasn't something to it exactly it's people not what's busy. true it's not what's true it's what people believe well and of course if enough people believe it that makes it true right Ah. Yes, Trump. Yes, Donald Trump. So critical thinking alone will not turn us from such pleasures. Reason alone never supplants sentiment. We need critical feeling. Practiced emotional alternatives to the satisfaction of outrage. So you see, he's making a shift here. He's making a shift and he's saying, we need to not, it's not enough to ask people to look at the facts, to disengage them from their emotional reaction. Reason alone will not supplant sentiment. Right. And we know that there's lots of research that's just telling people facts does not change their mind or their feelings about Donald Trump. And yet we have a lot of areas of living where people overcome things that they like because it ends up being bad for them. That's true. 
they don't, just, they, don't just, they don't just kill themselves with candy bars. They change their diet because the doctor told them to. Right. That's reason over sentiment. Actually, it's really interesting. You should say that because there is a story on NPR about a woman who was an anti-vaxxer. Okay. And she said the only thing that changed her mind was as her child got older, her pediatrician had ongoing regular conversations with her. And over time, she began to change her thinking. I mean, it could happen. That is the that is what education says is supposed to happen. Supposed to happen. But if we're going to buy into this idea that that doesn't happen, except in the rarest of instances, then I think that we maybe are doing a disservice to the idea of education, you know, and the idea of people, I don't know, having any kind of self-control or any kind of um, lifelong learning or any of these things. Well, I think painting any of these approaches with a broad brush, we know humans are complicated. Um, so, so I think, I think you make a great point. I think he makes a really good point. Let, let's continue on here and let's, let's see what we can pull out of here. Like pull, see where we can, what we can learn. He says, outrage today is braided together with self-absorption with the tendency to intensify group identification by finding outsiders one can detest. So again, it makes it harder it, it, listen, it makes it harder for me to accept new information if I identify that new information with a group of people or a ideological point of view that I have already decided I never agree with anything Republicans say or Democrats, right? Then it, it makes it much harder when I have that emotional, you know, filter for me to actually hear new information. The outrage of many Trump supporters, often fueled by racism, targets enemies in elaborate conspiracy narratives. He said, among the intellectual set, outrage is sublimated into irony, allowing the chattering class to police the borders of its in-groups without overtly subscribing to their norms. One can humorously dismiss outliers without seeming to hold any beliefs of one's own. Which again, I think goes to this idea about, well, I can tell you what I don't agree with, I don't agree with these groups, but I can't tell you what I do believe. Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, to be able to do that affirmative thing, I think. Right, That's and, and social media doesn't help. No. It does not help. Um, in fact, it's really interesting. I don't wanna call anyone out, but uh, some friends over the last couple of years have invited me to certain Facebook groups, you know, like this, this group, or in a lot of them are based in, you know, political leanings or things like that. And I just, I have not accepted those invitations because I'm like, first of all, I don't, I don't want more, I don't want more stuff in front of me, you know, digitally, like I don't need more. I got plenty sure. of stuff in front of me, but, but B, I don't, I don't, I, what I really probably should do is join groups that I don't really know how those groups think to broaden my own thinking and not sort of reinforce it. Right. Yeah, probably. Probably we want to encourage fair-mindedness in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what um, Roth says about how do teachers dislodge these tendencies. And I'm curious to see what you think. Okay. He says, how do, how do we use critical feelings 
In other words, what he's saying is to dislodge him, to get people to be more intellectually empathetic. That's what he's saying, to be willing to visit other points of view. Right. right? Emotion, other emotional, to let go of their emotional uh, blocks. So he says, teachers do this all the time when, when they introduce works to, they find foreign or offensive. Like, so Shakespeare, when we wanna expand the capacity for empathy or read James Baldwin to deepen their understanding of racist betrayal. Um, he also cites um, uh, uh, the uh, character from Toni Morrison's novel, Beloved. So he's saying, so when we help students appreciate a character in a novel who is not wholly sympathetic, or to admire an argument, even when it runs counter to our own assumptions, we're expanding our emotional registers as well as intellectual ones, which I think is a really, of course, I'm a, you and I are humanities people, right? So we're gonna, we love this idea of why do we read novels or read essays or, you know, like, well, how do we, why do we wanna inhabit these other points of view? Because they enlarge our understanding of the human experience. They enlarge and deepen how we understand other points of view beyond our own other realities. Yeah, I guess they do. I mean, they might, you know, that's the one thing that bothers me about this. It's, you know, you're assuming that the people will, I don't know, I suppose extrapolate, right? I mean, to pull these these ideas out of the stories as opposed to maybe having them ex more explicitly shown like I got I, I don't know I mean I'm just not well, sure how you teach it I mean so that so how I would respond to that is I'd say I know if I'm teaching a, a literature class or I'm teaching I'm not just like well read the book and and, and hope you enjoyed it you know what do you think of it right no I'm I'm structuring the discussion in a way to have students to think deeply about the text and right. right but the problem is what we're thinking deeply about here is not intellectual moves but but feelings and you know we're talking about manipulating feelings we're talking about redirecting feelings we're talking about um, characters inculcating feelings we're talking about um, using emotions i mean almost i mean to, to notice the ways that the emotions are used and when those emotions pop up i don't know i mean i is the implication that then maybe i would be able to use these as well because it strikes me that what's actually happening is not me using my emotions for anything it's just that i'm analyzing these examples of emotions in the text or in the lyrics or whatever. Well, you know, I think he, when he says this, he says, and being willing to make emotional as well as intellectual connections to ideas and characters who disturb where I'm coming from and broaden where I might be willing to go. Yeah, so okay. the emotional becomes the vehicle in, right? That's okay. why, that's why storytelling, people say storytelling is the most powerful mode of, you know, um, conveying and some people will say this like st storytelling is how you hook people in because you hook them with emotions and then once you have them emotionally then you think now where do i want to direct their thinking where what is it that i want to do once i've pulled them in whether it's watching our town or whether it's a shakespeare play or whether it's a a, a film or a 
essay, right? It's like, I'm, I'm, that's the human experience. I'm, I'm drawing them in with the, their emotional identification. And then a good artist is then saying, what, what do I want to say about, right? It's not just come cry with me, right? What am I, what am, what do I want to do with your attention? What do I want to help you understand? It's an, it's an excellent example of sophistry that you just gave us. I mean, that's exactly, that is, that is a, a wonderfully compelling reason for any of us to become excellent sophists. Well, art, art is sophistry and that it's inviting me in with something the, the artist is just wanting to reveal. Now I'm going to get what I'm going to get out of it, but I don't think the art artist, any artist wants you to just be indifferent. There's an agenda of it. And again, it doesn't mean the artist's agenda becomes my agenda, but there's something there that they're wanting to convey or I something. Think that, I think that it's definitely the case for commercial art, but I mean, art has a whole tradition of just art for art's sake without any care at all for what anyone other than the artist has and in many cases the artist is merely discovering things that are out there that aren't even the artist's own thing right and so the artist just presents it you know indifferently i would say in many cases i mean you find this with a lot of instances of nature photography for example it's like am i invested in the way that the tree grew or even in the angle that i capture the photograph or the or the whatever ad i mean maybe but but maybe also I thought in this sculpture that like the thing was in the rock and I just released it. And so well, it what it is, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you don't have to like it. sure. You could have some artists where that's their, that's, that's their jam. Right. Um, but I, I, for the, for his argument here to be really authentically representing what he's saying, he's saying critical feelings, are an important way in to this, again, connection, this intellectual and emotional connection. So when we ignore people's feelings, it's gonna be a real lot harder to just expect them to think how we wanna think, or you know, if we do want them to think away, or even just think critically, if we haven't, if there's emotional static in the way. Okay. So, he said, if we want our students to learn discernment and not just critique, we must give them more opportunity to consider ideas and emotions that they wouldn't encounter on their own. Expanding the repertoire of feelings has long been a goal of liberal education. Through history, literature, and the arts, we make connections to worlds of emotion, creativity, and intelligence that take us beyond our individual identities and group allegiances, which what you and I were just talking about, how do, how do literature and the arts Serve, meant to serve us and help us grow. The exercise of critical feelings should make us less susceptible to demagogic manipulation and to the misleading politics of resentment. Okay, let's go back here. Exercise of critical feeling. So is he saying then critical feeling is this whole part that he just talked about, which is entering into the emotional states of others intellectual empathy you know is that is that what he's saying i mean it sounds like it, the whole thing sounds like intellectual empathy to me either with a sophistic purpose or a fair-minded purpose i mean i just don't see i just don't see this being distinct from, really, 
yeah, from, from some part of the foundation for critical thinking literature that he didn't even know about. I mean, I just don't find this very to be very. That's interesting because I don't think he's really made a case for his concept of critical feeling. I don't. No. I no, don't I get no, to I, the I think, end of it. I get to the end of it, and I'm like, so what is really your concept of critical feeling? Well, I, th I think his concept of critical feeling is that you, you know, you read Wordsworth and it hits you, <laughs> right? And that's really different from whatever you listen to on the radio. And so now, you know, you've experienced it directly, and to the extent that you understand it, like you can't just pick it up and read it necessarily, but you, you get it all. Once you really get it, then you'll have these feelings about it, and then you can use those feelings to connect with other things. And I just don't know how, I mean, I, okay. I mean, maybe we need to go back and read more um, Rolf Reiber. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, what's really interesting, Brian, is he kind of supports what you're, what you posited last time, which was everything goes back to point of view. Yeah. Well, a lot of cases it does, but that's not the way it should be. I mean, there ought to be more going on in there, mm. but yeah. Yeah, he, so he kind of concludes and he says, by exploring the complexities of the world, our students practice making connections that are intellectual and affective, meaning, right, of the uh, moving beyond the cognitive into the emotional and the feelings realm. Yeah, you so, do. You do. I mean, we do. And we, and we can't ignore that stuff. I just, gosh, I just think it's a lot more complicated than than he has. Well, you know, if you're interested, he has a book. Let me tell you the table title of his book. I found this so fascinating. His book is called Safe Enough Spaces, a Pragmatist Approach to Inclusive Free Speech and Political Correctness in College Campuses, on college campuses. Okay. That's provocative. I'll tell you, anytime these days I see the term political correctness anywhere, I think I know who I'm talking to really yeah yeah i really do i think that i think that there's someone who isn't very tolerant well it's a i think it's a very problematic term yeah i mean i do i, I do too i think i think because i think people say i think people use the term in an effort to demonstrate open-mindedness but in fact they use it to close down the dialogue right and those that aren't those that aren't really um that aren't really in agreement with what they mean by political correctness get the same sort of treatment as those others who they're trying to you know talk about in the first place as not being politically correct so well think about even the term politically correct i'm only doing this to as a virtue signal oh right? yeah politically correct i mean the term itself it's a dog is, <laughs> yeah like like it, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's meaningless. I'm just signaling that I'm, I just want to be a peer, you know, in alignment with what's popular politically, you know. I think so, and it, and it changes very much depending on the decade, kind of. Yes, you know, need to get rid of that term. I'm sorry, I don't, that term is, All right. anyway, anyway. Well, we appreciate you hanging out for our politically correct conversation today. Um, Patty, Patty has her attitudes for sure about this, and she's willing to sell you her T-shirt of political correctness at our gift shop. So. <laughs> oh boy, I better go get one. We do have a neighborhood T-shirt. If people are interested, a brand new spanking new neighborhood T-shirt. We could we talk about that. Except, except that we'd be advertising, and then we'd 
we get through. Oh, you're right. But you know what? We could use that same service to make critical thinking for everyone t-shirts. We need, we need to, and then we'll offer them for free for anyone who's interested. <laughs> Art has to have a commercial motive, Patty said. I <laughs> well, whatever your motive is this week, we want you to do your best thinking, sophistic or otherwise. Again, just because you have sophistic motives doesn't mean you're not a good thinker. Doesn't mean you're not a good person. It just means that you're trying to get something done. I mean, give it a shot, make it fair-minded, beef it up a little bit. That's the way you get that critical thinking in there in the highest possible form. And, uh, you know, people have been doing that stuff for a long time. We think it's for everyone. Even you. Oh, yes. Even you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show today. Uh, just want to remind you again that we are hosting a talent show online. Uh, it's coming up on April 10th at 7 p.m. That's a Saturday. We sure would love to have you either participate. You can still go to forwardradio.org at the top right-hand corner of the page and sign up if you want to. You can also go there, though, to buy tickets. And we really need you to buy tickets because this is a fundraiser for Forward Radio. Forward Radio is independent, community-generated radio. We have a few national programs. That is true. Some progressive stuff that you may want to check out. If you flip through the schedule that we have, you'll see stuff like Democracy Now! I mean, national programs. Um, the important thing to remember is that most of our programming is community-generated, and we can't get this done without community lending its support. Of course, you could go to forwardradio.org anytime and throw down 20 bucks or more per day, make a donation, uh, tax-deductible, of course, if you care about such things, which you probably should, uh, but that's up to you. we just love to get some cash to help run the radio station so that Community members who want to put together their own shows on important topics to them can do it and put them out over the airwaves and also help us connect with important archiving organizations like SoundCloud so you can go back and listen to this stuff later. We're doing a little different thing with the talent show. We really want to showcase some different kinds of talent, but we need you to buy tickets. Ten bucks each, please Watch the talent show at 7 p.m. on Saturday, April 10th. Vote for whatever you think is the best act. And we look forward to having you participate with us and having a great evening of fundraising and just fun, which is something we care so much about at Forward Radio. Thanks for listening today. Be safe and have great thinking.